Welcome to Prehistory. In this episode, George Stiebel, Jamaica's first black millionaire who should have been a social outcast several times in his life, but man, the man was non-stop. And yes, that was a Hamilton reference. George's father, Sigismund, sorry if I butchered that, came to Jamaica from Frankfurt, Germany with the promise of full British citizenship to Jews who settled in the colony. He and others' relatives set up a business with trade links in Kingston, Bogota, Frankfurt, Manchester, and London. George's mother was a housekeeper, possibly a slave who belonged to Sigismund's wife, Eliza, since this was before slavery was abolished in 1834. Even if she wasn't a slave, the power dynamics between a black woman and her employer back then wouldn't have been much better. George was born in 1821 and was eventually moved from his mother's quarters to the main house so Sigismund could take responsibility for his son and care for him directly. Unfortunately for George, being Jewish and being mixed meant he had a rough time at school and had to suffer all kinds of abuse. He dropped out and ran away from home when he was 14. Sigismund eventually found him working for a carpenter. But you know, give Sigismund some credit since school wasn't an option for George, he set up his son with an apprenticeship to a shipbuilder to learn carpentry. By 19, George was part of the reconstruction of the Ferry Inn, a famous pit stop for travelers on the main road between Kingston and Spanish Town that was built more than 150 years before George's birth and is still standing today. Proving himself to his dad, Sigismund gave George enough capital to buy a ship. Transporting cargo between North and South America was such a profitable success that he purchased two more ships and expanded his trade. Being an entrepreneur, George noticed a business opportunity in Cuba and sold guns to the rebelling slaves there. He was caught and arrested in 1844, but escaped with the help of his guard after finding out that they were both Freemasons. Hey, friends. This wouldn't be the last time George was locked up, but we'll get to that soon. Although, to be fair, the next time was because of illegal gun trading, so he's getting better. Still, after this first dangerous experience with the law, the 24-year-old decided to keep quiet while restarting his business. He had fallen in love with Magdalene Baker, the daughter of Moravian missionaries who did not approve of George and his shady background and criminal record. The couple had to wait seven years to get married after Magdalene's parents passed away, but soon they had a son named after George's father and a daughter, Theresa. So far, not really an exciting life, right? He's a social outcast, school dropout, carpenter, illegal gun runner, and true romantic. Mm, boring. Well, here's something else. George was on board one of his ships when a terrible storm wrecked all of them. Thankfully, he had secured his money to his belt before swimming to shore to Venezuela. George refused to go home until he could rebuild his wealth and provide for his family. He became a peddler in Venezuela and then earned enough to upgrade to peddler with a mule. Ah, moving up the corporate ladder. George made a friend though with a man named Antonio Liccioni, who was a trader and mule train operator. Antonio was sure there was gold in one of the old Spanish mines 
by the Urari River in the town of El Cayo. A few, dec- a few decades before, a gold rush had started in El Cayo. Antonio and George formed a partnership with 10 other investors and registered a gold mining company to reopen the mines. They did find gold at first, but the vein was irregular and on top of that, they faced operational challenges, including water issues and the need for a mill. They borrowed money to get the equipment they needed and sold shares in Paris to get capital. Once the mill was set up, they were in business and could extract larger quantities of gold. By 1875, the company paid its first dividend, double the investment, and then by 1885, El Cayo was the world's lead producer of gold, with George's company putting out 5.6 tons of gold and 73k tons of quartz. For a while, the workers' wages were even paid in quartz. That is when you know you are stupid rich, at least by 19th century standards. During this time, George acquired ships and once again began trading. He made a stop in Haiti to pick up cargo and also gave a ride to some Haitian equestrian artists. Someone please tell me what an equestrian artist is. I have no clue, but it sounds fancy. They stopped at Azuel, the closest port to Santo Domingo, now the Dominican Republic. Now Haiti and Dominican Republic has a long and contentious history, but for the purposes of this story, know that Santo Domingo had fought and gained independence from Spain and Haiti. The port officer allowed the passengers off George's ship, but made George go to a nearby town to have the boats inspected before he could dock. So George complied, but was then told by a general that he was a prisoner because coming from Haiti, was illegal or suspicious. So poor George was escorted to the capital, also called Santo Domingo, in the burning sun by day and the pouring rain at night. He had to suffer through being locked up overnight and then just released the next day without any explanation. So while he was having all of that fun, his ship had collided with another, causing serious damage and he had probably missed his chance to sell his coffee product during a demand surge. George was not amused. He wrote a strongly worded letter to the British consul, and as far as I could find, that seemed to be the end of that mishap. So George returned to Jamaica in 1873. He was 52 at this point and had spent about 15 years in Venezuela. He came home a wealthy man, but also learned, sadly, that Sigismund, his son, had passed away while he was in Venezuela. George moved his family to London, sent his daughter to a finishing school in France, and began investing in Jamaican properties, including two sugar plantations and a wharf. Most famously, he purchased 53 acres of land from the St. Andrew Parish Church called Devonpen. Three years later, he commissioned another George, last name Lazarus, who was also of mixed Jewish and African parentage, to build a lavish mansion on the foundation of the church rectory. Other than the house, the project included tennis courts, a kitchen, staff quarters, a carriage house, a pool, and a racetrack. George had 10 wonderful years in that house with his wife and children. He was an active philanthropist, chaired on several boards, 
sat on committees, held parties in his hype mansion. Theresa, his daughter, married Richard Hill Jackson, who became the mayor of Kingston and had six children. Unfortunately for George, his life was a wheel of very good times and rough times going around in a circle. And it was time for a heartbreaking descent. George's beloved wife, Magdalene, passed away in October 1892. The following year, Theresa went to England with her kids. Her husband and one son, Douglas, stayed behind. In 1895, Douglas passed away from typhoid fever. And just a week after that, Theresa's husband died after a swim in the family pool, either from pneumonia or a heart attack. To lose his wife, grandson, and son-in-law practically back-to-back must have broken George's heart. He passed away the following year. All the family members were buried in the St. Andrew Parish Cemetery with Magdalene. Devon House was purchased by another Jewish Jamaican businessman after Theresa passed away in 1922. After passing through several hands, it eventually ended up as public property thanks to preservation efforts and it now serves as a beloved landmark, housing the best ice cream shop, restaurants, and a park that's open to the public. And I think George would have loved that. Thank you for sticking around to episode three. This feels more official now. If you are enjoying this so far, then please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. I still call them iTunes half of the time. Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever is your preferred listening platform of choice. It helps to circulate it in the digital ecosystem that is the podcast jungle. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It really helps. Thank you.